0: ready? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we may or may not keep that in. I'll have to rewatch this and decide how cheesy that was. I feel like we have to. Okay, we have to now. So okay. I came up with a topic for today. Today um and this is something that I have seen come up for both myself as well as clients of mine a lot lately, and when something kind of comes into my frame of reference more than once and I start to feel inspired by it, I try to lean in, and so what we're going to be talking about today is kind of dissecting and analyzing why we don't give ourselves permission to ask the question, what do I want? and i've noticed this in myself i've noticed this in my clients and some of my friends where we hold back from asking that question and in very subtle ways very roundabout ways we avoid asking that question and we ask something else instead we ask what's realistic for me what is possible or probable for me what am i capable of what do i see other people doing that closely resemble what i want but you know, they're giving me evidence that that's possible and that's a sure path, so I'll do that instead. Or what is the path that's going to lead to the least stress, anxiety, overwhelm, burnout, and that that's going to lead to the least amount of loss or pain for me? And so we kind of avoid what we actually want and instead ask the question of all of those other things. And what ends up happening is it takes us down a path that's out of alignment with what we actually want for ourselves. And so we start creating a reality that has a disconnect inside of it. And that's why so many of us walking around feeling so unhappy and unfulfilled. And when you really stop and ask yourself, what do I want? I feel like there's an element of in- anxiety, and unease that can sometimes come up around that question because if you, if you anchor into the reality of the situation, which is that what I want is very different from what I have and what I've created up until now, that brings up a lot of fear around, am I capable of what I actually want? And if I don't believe that I am, then am I stuck with what I don't want forever, And that's what I want to talk about today. (laughs) Wow. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think my first experience of really having almost feeling forced to question what it is that I actually want was in the beginning of my career, maybe a couple of years into my career, um, beginning as a personal trainer, because I had been working so hard. It felt like for so long to try to create certain results in my career that I fully believed I wanted, which was to be basically full-time as a personal trainer. I wanted to have as many clients as possible. I wanted to essentially live in the gym. I wanted to be making whatever amount of money came from that, that I had in my head, a number that was thrown around a lot of the time in the space was like $10,000 a month. And I'm like, I guess that's where I'm going. Six figures, six figures, 10 K months, 10 K months. Yep. So I had this like whole idea of where I was going and, and felt in some way inspired to get there and was doing all the right things and learning all the different techniques of how I can get clients and how to be the best personal trainer ever. And all of these different things. And after two to three years of year after year, feeling like I had failed my goal and feeling very defeated by it. I started to notice this interesting disconnect between what I was going after and the results that I was trying to create, a disconnect from how I was actually experiencing the current position that I was in as far as going to work having clients, being in the gym for the amount of hours that I currently had. And what I was experiencing when I was really honest with myself was in some way, shape or form, kind of a sense of dread. Like I really would wake up in the morning and not want to go and then have this overall sense of resentment over having to be there all day or have to wait in between clients or not getting home until really late at night and then having to wake up really, really early the next day to go to the gym. But even though there was a lot of that story playing out in this heaviness in my body, I'd say for probably a whole year, I still continue to completely pursue like, but I still want to live in the gym and work with as many clients as possible and make all of this money doing it. And I think it, it took me many years to really come to realize that I really did not want that at all, like not to be a a full-time personal trader and not to spend all of my time in the gym, not to start really early in the morning and then work really late at night and just feel like that was my entire life. I I was resonating less and less and less with that. And it felt like a huge threat (laughs) to my anxiety, to my identity. At the time, because very much so I identified as like, I'm a fitness person and I love what I do. And this is my passion and I get to live my passion. And it's so amazing. And, and the first time that that identity crisis came to a head was during quarantine. Oh my God, when... we the same life story. I know. Isn't it interesting? I, know. <laughs> I told you this so many times that yeah. weirdly we're the same person. <laughs> we are the same person. <laughs> We really yeah. are. Yeah. During quarantine, when obviously the gym shut down and I was forced to stay in my home for a long time, and some of my clients ended up continuing to work with me, but just doing virtual personal training sessions at the time, I started to to really realize how much I loved that when the anticipation of it going away and actually going back to the gym started to be real and talked about. And every one of my clients was like, can't wait to come back into the gym. And I felt this whole body like contraction of like, no, (laughs) I don't, I don't want that at all. And that was terrifying
0: to me. Absolutely terrifying. Yeah. We have the same life story. Yeah. I, before I get into my story, which like is almost identical to yours, I I want I feel like there's something to explore around, okay, I can only speak to myself really around this, but I would love to hear your opinion on this. When you're going through elementary school and high school and getting ready to go to university and the conversation starts to come up around what you want to do with your life, what program do you want to go into what area of study do you want to focus on because that's going to determine the trajectory of your life that's going to determine how much money you make that's going to determine your job title which is going to give you a sense of pride or not depending on which which avenue you go down and you start to look at all of the different boxes Like what is this box over here? Like what are my options inside of that box? What is this box over here? What are these people doing and what are their job titles and how much money do they make and how successful are they and what does their future look like? And you start to compartmentalize what is possible for me and what is available to me according to what is known by what are other people doing. And we are taught not to turn in and ask ourselves, what do we want, we're taught to say, well, based on all of these other things that you've seen, pick the one that feels, not necessarily that feels the best, but that you have been programmed to believe is the best because of the amount of income that you're going to make, the amount of flexibility it's going to provide, the amount of certainty that that there is there. Maybe you have a skill set that lines up with it. And so it almost sets you up to deny your own Deny your own feelings and trust them. And so uh, that's kind of what happened for me. And I went down the fitness avenue as well. And if I'm honest with myself, there was always this feeling buried at the back of my mind that it never felt right, but it was like 90% there. Mm. And so I had to convince myself that this is just reality. It's never going to feel 100% right. So just do it because there's nothing else that you can do. Mm. And it wasn't until I opened my own gym and then had to shut it down for five months during lockdown, when I realized I do not want to go back. (laughs) And that is not a fun place to be when you just started a business.
1: No, no. It's interesting because I think that this is one Way that this has been expressed for us that is a little bit different because I feel like there always was from the very beginning this like full on desire passion for fitness until I reached that point like I really fully was following my calling there and I think it's interesting reflecting back on how I was set up for that in like high school when those conversations started happening around what do you want to do when you when you know you graduate and what program are you going to go into coming from having two parents who never went to college or university. And not really living around any other family that had either, there was not really a whole lot of guidance around that being the thing that you do. Like I'm I almost feel like as a 26-year-old now, I'm like realizing like most people had this dialogue going on of like, are you gonna go to college and what college are you gonna go to? And oh, that's not a good job. And you need to make sure that you do this and you need to get good grades. I had no dialogue around that in my household. I don't think my parents ever once asked me what I wanted to do. I figured that out myself. I'm just like, well, I guess it's time to start thinking about it. Sort of Googling, like, what do you, what do you do after high school? And like, wow, I I know I like going to the gym now because I have, well, at the time I have an eating disorder. I didn't realize I did. And I'm obsessed with fitness because I think it's my passion. But really, it's just a way that I've found (laughs) self-worth but that's a whole other conversation. Uh, So really felt passionate about it. It was something that I did all the time and created an identity around it. So I'm like, can I do something like that as a job? And I was like, oh, personal training. There's a course in my city. I can do that. And I just did that. And I didn't, I never once questioned like, is this a good job? Is this what people like, do these people make a lot of money? Or is this something that I can be proud of, or that other people are going to be, awe awe over if I do this? Or is my family going to be proud of me if I do this? It was just like, that sounds nice and cool. It's something that I know that I enjoy doing and I spend all my time in the gym anyway. So why wouldn't I get paid for it? That sounds kind of cool. And there was never any other thought
0: beyond that for me. That's where our stories kind of, I guess, kind of diverge from one another. Because for me, it was a complete opposite there was so much pressure placed on me to make a decision and it didn't even matter what decision i made i i actually went into a fine arts program and a theater program first and then transitioned into fitness after so for me it was just pick something because you need to have an education and i went through this entire like honestly like mental breakdown as an 18 year old, because I felt so much pressure to have my life figured out. And it was only when I started to, through the lockdown, when I was faced with, I just opened this gym and I do not want to do this anymore, that I actually started asking myself, what do you want? And immediately it was not this, but I don't know. And I think that's, also a scary realization is, I'm not happy, but I don't know what I want. And I think that that comes from the belief system that you have to know. And like, I'm going to get emotional saying this, but like, I didn't. And I found myself here through a series of synchronicities by just continuing to say, okay, well, what feels good? Well, what felt good was working remotely. And then I was like, well, how do I do that? Oh, I can be a nutrition coach. And then I took a course on how to do that. And then I met you. And then I was like, well, this still doesn't feel good. What feels good? Oh, talking about my feelings (laughs) feels good. And one thing led to another led to another. And now I'm doing a job that you literally can't take a course on. Mm -hmm. Or that I didn't have a frame of reference for when I was in high school and being asked, what do you want to do with your life? And I just kind of stumbled into understanding what I wanted by giving myself permission to try things. But I think that we don't do that. There's something scary about giving ourselves permission to play.
1: Yeah. And I think that there's something so safe about having some, something to grab onto. Like for me, it was, I'm a personal trainer. And as soon as I had that, it was like, okay, that's, I'm just going to hold on to that. And as soon as the idea of letting that go came up, it felt so disorienting, so chaotic and so horrifying. And I went through probably my very first dark night of the soul during that time where I was like, who am I? What am I? What do I like? What do I like? I thought I love this. I hate it. <laughs> like, yeah. What's going on here? Yeah. And it was a whole process of just having to let myself be in so much fear and darkness and uncertainty and chaos to just finally find, like, okay, well, I guess I don't know what I want, but I know that this doesn't feel good now. And what does feel good similarly to you, I know I want to be home more. I don't like driving. I don't like having to commute somewhere every day. I don't like getting home really late and then having to take my dog out and then having to make dinner. And then like by the time all of that's done, it's like, now I got to go to sleep so I can wake up early and do it all over again. That felt like a trap, really. I felt like I was just living Groundhog Day every single day. And I hated that. And I knew I hated that. So I was like, well... I know that somehow, some way I've managed to escape that over quarantine where I've gotten to magically stay at home and still make some money during it. So I followed that and I told my clients I wasn't going to be going back to the gym. And that birthed a new idea of, well, I guess I could still do in-person personal training out of my house. And then that's when I created a gym out of my house. And then when that also started to not make sense anymore, that started to feel heavy. And a lot of other things happened where I'd realized I had to sell my house, then it was like, well, I guess I have to figure out a way of doing everything online now. And everything just kind of unfolded easier and easier each transition because I, even though it was still chaotic and scary to look into the uncertainty of, I know that this doesn't feel good anymore. So what is going to feel good, which is really another way of asking like, what is it that I actually want now that I'm realizing that this isn't what I want anymore? It, there was a little bit more trust in that there was going to be some answer or some level of certainty revealed as long as I just followed it and took the next step that I knew was available to me, which was in letting that thing go.
0: I love that you said trust because I think that there is a giant element of trust here, but I think it's trust in you, right? Yes. Trust in the self, in yourself, that you're gonna figure it out and that you are capable and resourceful. And that is something through working with you that I thought about this the other day too, That that is one of the biggest realizations I had through working with you, which is that I had zero trust in myself. I was outsourcing all of my sense of self-trust into other people and, and their opinions and their experience and what they had to say and think that I was so lost because I was never trusting that I knew best. I would love your experience in uncovering that for yourself. And when you see that in a client, how you help them kind of relearn that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. My experience with coming back to self-trust It feels very intertwined with my experience with body image and disordered eating because that was my very first memory of losing trust in myself when I was younger and I was in pain. I was suffering. I felt miserable. I felt alone. I felt disconnected. I felt outcasted. I felt like I wasn't good enough. And in the process of trying to figure out why that was, the easiest thing to blame it on was my body. And when I was very young, I started to make the association that me eating in the way that I was eating and doing what I was doing innately without thinking about it, just like doing what I was doing, being a kid, just intuitively eating or whatever was resulting in the body that I had, which was resulting in the pain that I was in. And so that created a lack of trust in myself. because so it was like when I'm trusting myself to just do what I do innately, then bad things happen. I'm in pain. People don't like me. I'm lonely. I don't have friends. I feel like crap about myself all the time. And so the expression of that realization that I couldn't trust myself first started with food and controlling food externally with rules and different diets and forcing myself to move my body in ways that I didn't organically want to do. And that first expression of me coming back into trust with myself that was beyond just my body was that experience where I realized that I did not want to go back to the gym after quarantine happened. And there was this huge, like in my body, no to that. And then a billion reasons in my head why it should be a yes because my clients are waiting for me, because I have the business that I've always wanted, because I'm doing my passion. I'm working in my passion. And so many people wish they were doing that. And I got to, and I am. So why would I let that go? And I'm making good money doing it. And the majority of my income is coming from in-person personal training. And I have a mortgage that I have to pay. Like There was a trillion reasons why it should be a yes, but it was so obvious to me that it was a no. And that was the first time that I really just leapt and trusted that and was like, well, I guess I'm not going back because I I can't ignore this overwhelming sense of dread that I have. And I have no idea what's on the other side of letting this go, but I feel like I almost have no choice. It really did feel like I had no choice. It didn't feel like I was actively choosing to trust myself really in that moment. It was just a whole body like i can't do this anymore and maybe that's a different unique experience to me i don't know it really didn't feel like i was choosing to trust myself but it it resulted in me learning that whatever that feeling is that's telling me no to this that i can trust that because a result of it was clarity eventually came i ended up in a better position lots of things happened synchronistically also as a result of it because as a result of me not going back to the gym, I opened up my personal training studio at home. And then six months later, the gym that I was previously working at closed down, <laughs> which was kind of a confirmation for me of, well, I avoided a lot of stress there and my income isn't affected and I'm not having to scramble and figure out where to go now because I I made that decision to to trust that no that was in my body. And then it also set me up for or a year later, when I realized that I had to sell the house that I was in, um, being in a much better position to move across the country, which is what I ended up deciding to do because the majority of, of my business was working from home at that point too. So there was a lot of things and a result of that, then I ended up traveling the world and living as a digital nomad. And none of that would have happened had I not trusted that inner no that I felt or I don't even, trusting it even doesn't feel like a a thing that I did. It felt like I just, I followed it and then trusted it as a result of what happened.
0: There are a few different directions I want to go with this. I also had a lot of issues with an eating disorder and um, using fitness and diet as a means of controlling how I felt about myself when I felt like I was so out of control in my life and nothing else was within my sense of control. And there came, and I, and I got into powerlifting and there came a time where it was so obvious that I hated it, but I wanted to tie a nice little bow on the end of my career. And I kept pushing myself towards this goal I had in my mind because I told myself over and over and over again, this is what I want. This Mm -hmm. is what I want. I've wanted this for so long. You, You just have to get it. And then, then you can walk away and feel really good about it. And the more I kept pushing myself towards it, the more horrible I felt, like I kept getting injured over and over and over again. And then I used that to blame myself that I wasn't working hard enough towards (laughs) what I wanted. And I feel like there might be a conversation here around the difference between a desire that comes from a sense of fear or pain and a desire that comes from a place of inspiration and excitement and what your experience is between the two and learning how to distinguish the difference between the two. Yeah. Can you say the two of them again, just so I can sure. Yeah, them. I know. I, I just threw a lot at you. <laughs> I'm starting to learn, and it's a continually evolving process. So I'm speaking from a place of like being in this right now, learning to distinguish the difference between a desire that's coming from a fear of something or an insecurity mm-hmm. and wanting to cover up the insecurity with this outcome that I'm yes. that I want, or a desire that feels like it's coming from an inspired place that also carries fear, Mm. but it feels a little different. It does feel different. It does feel different.
1: Yeah. I think the way that I've learned to context this in, in the work that I've done as specifically working as a coach in the, the having a healthy relationship with food, food freedom and body image space is when we are, Letting go of the external rules of food and restrictive diets, etc., because we realize that it's not healthy for us or that it's always resulted in some kind of disordered expression and relationship and an effect on our lives, probably every area of our lives. It's there's this idea or fear I think a lot of people have that they're just going to go and eat. A chocolate for every meal and get super overweight and unhealthy and they always cling to unhealthy like it's like that's not healthy for me to not control my food in any way shape or form and I always like to at least introduce the idea that there is some innate motivation to want to take care of ourselves that's there when we learn to reconnect back to it and to trust ourselves and to be in tune with ourselves and our bodies. Because when we really are connected to that and we let go of the external rules and we also learn how to actually listen to what we want and what our bodies are telling us that they need and want, then we do naturally make a lot of the same decisions. Like we might still make similar decisions that we would have when we were telling ourselves that we need to not eat this and we need to eat this instead and we need to eat protein and we need to eat vegetables that, that really fear-driven way of approaching making those decisions when that fear-driven way of motivating ourselves is gone we're still motivated but by a different thing like it's right. just a desire to take care of ourselves or to feel good in our lives and in our bodies And I think that that innate desire to to express ourselves a certain way, whether it's in how we're eating and how we're moving or how we're showing up inside of the pursuit of having a career that we want or showing up online or just talking about things that we want um, that we're inspired by or that we're passionate about, there comes a... Okay now I'm realizing I'm having an experience very similarly to this right now where I'm realizing that every I keep repeating the same cycle with my social media marketing where I come up with an idea of how I'm going to approach social media and talk about what I do and talk about what I'm passionate about and then that excited idea like flings me into doing it and then I do it consistently for a period of time And then it starts to feel heavy usually because I'm not getting some external result that I think I should and I'm not meeting the expectations of it. And then because it gets heavy, I start building resentment over it. And then I just stop doing it entirely. And then I have a new inspired idea for how I'm going to create it. (laughs) And then I just, I keep repeating the same cycle over and over and over again. And I think what happens halfway through that cycle where I start to feel the heaviness is that it, it starts to Resonate a little bit more with fear. Like, I have to post this because if I don't, then the thing that I want won't happen. Rather than it coming from that motivational, inspired place where it originally birthed from, where it was just like, this feels exciting to talk about this thing and to talk about it in this way. And so there's something that happens somewhere where these expectations get placed on it and we start falling back asleep into the old ways that we motivate
0: ourselves to do
1: things which is through fear and shame.
0: That's exactly what I was going to say. For me, it's I think that what drives a desire that's coming from a place of fear or insecurity or feeling that I'm lacking something is when the desire like the the end result that I'm believing it's when the end result is going to save me. And that if I don't get the outcome that I want, I will not be okay. And I won't know what to do with that, or I'll be really upset or disappointed rather than when it's coming from inspiration, there's more of like an openness to it where I don't know necessarily where it's going, but the process of doing it feels really fun and exciting. Mm And I think for me, that's the difference.
1: Yeah. And it's self-energizing as well. It feels like it fuels itself. There's not like an energy that I need to plan or create in order to do it versus when I'm falling into that rut of it being motivated by fear of not having what I want or some kind of shaming aspect to it. I feel like I'm having to mentally prepare myself for it more or schedule it more into the day or prep prep for it in some way but there's something so energizing that kind of it, it's almost like doing it actually makes me feel more energized versus doing it drains the energy that I'm
0: already feeling like I'm lacking something i really want to touch on with this that i've noticed in my work that i think is really fascinating is that there's a difference between the human desire and the soul desire. And I feel like I might have talked about this before, but it just comes up over and over and over again for clients, where clients that come to me, they have a semblance of what they desire, but it's coming from this needy place of like, Mm -hmm. I need this. I need this to work. Tell me how to get it. Give me the blueprint to get it. And the soul does not have that same desire for any one outcome. The soul is literally here to experience the self in whatever it decides in the moment. And I think that. There's nothing wrong with having a human need or human desire for something, but understanding where it's coming from and being able to distinguish a desire that's coming from this place of I am not okay without it versus this is really pulling me forward from this place of expansiveness and once you can distinguish the two, and I think for me that took a long time because originally when I was working out or getting into powerlifting, it felt like it was coming from a very empowered place. And I was constantly motivated to work harder and to be there. I just, I loved it. But looking back, there was definitely an element of if I missed a workout, if I missed a workout, I was not allowed to miss a workout. And if a workout didn't go well, I was also not okay until the next workout where I could make up for it. So where there was this, and it's so subtle at the time. And so I think it's okay if you can't see that in the moment, but there's this energy underneath that it's like, I need this to work for me rather than this feels really, really good. And if it doesn't, quote unquote, work or unfold in the way I'm anticipating, that's okay because it just feels good to do. This quote
1: that I don't even remember where I got it from, but it's been so present in my awareness recently that feels so relevant to this and it's high involvement, low attachment, which is really speaking to showing up, going all in, in what feels important, aligned, purposeful without attaching you doing it to a certain outcome or having some kind of should or shouldn't attached to it. And I've experienced this so much. Similarly to you with powerlifting, there was always this should and have to and fear-driven shame around working out for me until I took a very long time off of working out and worked on healing my body image and all of this. And then when I came back to it, it was from this completely fresh place of like, I've found a level of safety inside of myself from not exercising and realizing that that's okay. And that like kind of got rid of all of these fears and shoulds and like, I'm not okay if I don't do this. All of that has had the opportunity to, to release from me and approaching exercise from this completely fresh clear space was just like fun. It was just like a playground. It was a way to move my body and realizing I actually do feel better after working out. That was something I had told myself that I always did. I'm like, I love working out because it (laughs) makes me feel so good and like releases dopamine and and it makes you just feel strong. No, I never felt that. I can't stop thinking
0: about it. Therefore, I must really enjoy it. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) Rather than I can't stop thinking about it because I I'm obsessed with the. I'm erotic. Of- yes. <laughs> yeah, like I, I can't yeah. let it go. Kind of like obsession. Yeah. Like really, yes. not healthy.
1: Exactly. Yeah, and I've experienced this too with creating content. I've had many experiences where I've just created something, and it'll almost be like experienced as like, okay, I'll post it. Tomorrow. No, 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 but I really want to post it now. No, but I shouldn't because no one's awake <laughs> yet. Cause I'm an Australian. It's the middle of the night. No, but I really want to post. Like, I'm just so excited about it. Like I just yeah. really want to get it out there versus like, oh, I should post. Let me look at my drafts and see what c- content I created yeah. in the past that I just pr- like there's no excitement to it. It's just like something that I did because I I'm supposed to, versus like, just having this giddy childhood, like, I love this thing. I want everyone to see it.
0: <laughs> yeah. For me, it's like I tap into the thing that brings me joy, and then I'm like, how can I monetize this? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Maybe that's a conversation for another day. But I feel like that's like my Enneagram three coming out, being like, how can I be perfect at this and make this work for me in terms of my sense of self worth with accomplishment? (laughs) Coming back to our topic of. Asking the question what I want, for me, I think it be, it was just a slow unraveling of being faced with the thing that I thought I wanted being taken away and then realizing, oh, I feel better without it. And that's yeah. happened to me a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot with different things. And so I guess like a message I have for people is sometimes something not working out for you or unfolding in the way you thought it should, could, or wanted to is the biggest gift because you are being shown what you really want in the process, which is something different. Yeah. And another angle
1: to this too, that I've discovered for myself is that sometimes the thing that I thought that I wanted is so polar opposite to what I really want, but what I really want doesn't feel right. There's some wrongness or shame to it. And I'll give an example as far as like having lots and lots and lots and lots of space in my schedule because I talked about how I wanted to be a personal trainer in the gym all the time, all the clients working on all this much and being there all the time and making as much money as possible. There was that sense of dread that I started to experience around, like, I don't want to go and the resentment of having to be there that eventually led me to realizing that I just love having a lot of free time and I really don't want to work that much. And I've started creating a lifestyle and a business for myself over the years where that's actually possible and available to me, but it came from me questioning the wrongness and the shame that I felt for wanting that because it felt like it meant something bad about me that I didn't want to work super hard and I didn't want to hustle and I didn't want to fill my days with as much productivity as possible. There's just something about that that I clung onto because I wanted that to be my identity and I wanted people to validate me for that. But it just felt so dysregulating and inauthentic and stressful to force myself into that way of being. And the more that I've owned that that's just not authentic to me. And then I am just genuinely someone who not only loves, but also needs a lot of free time and space to be as productive as I can be and to do my best work, the more that I've just... Like, I feel like I'm at a level of thriving in my life that I didn't think was possible. I just thought that that tiredness, draining, having to force myself into doing everything every day was normal. That's just how you're supposed to live.
0: (laughs) You know, what's so interesting on this very topic, we are programmed to believe that productivity is... Is a good thing, and like the more we do, the better we can feel about ourselves and our doingness and our accomplishments. In the doing, my job now is literally the opposite channeling. There's no doing, in fact, doing takes away from the ability to channel, and that has been a huge mindset shift that I have had to make because I pride myself so much on being able to outwork anybody and I spent the first 34 35 years of my life with no downtime just doing more and more I as a high school student my friends would be like you you you're so busy like why are you doing I just I couldn't sit still and I, and I wanted to do all these things and fill my days with all this stuff. And it wasn't until those things were sort of removed from my life, like, for example, during the pandemic, when there wasn't a lot to do, that I started doing the self-reflection work and asking myself, how do I feel? What do I want that my life started to take a trajectory that was became more in alignment with what I actually wanted because I gave myself permission to start asking those questions. And the more space I have to be rather than do, the better I feel. Yes. And so I don't want a busy schedule full of clients like I was told I should want because 10K months. <laughs> I actually don't want that. And that was a very scary realization for me to have as well. It's like, well, what do I actually want? What I want is tons of space to meditate. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that these are like paradigm shifts that a lot of us are going through now where the question of what do I want used to be, well, what should I want?
1: Yeah, or what makes me a more valuable person to have?
0: Yeah. Is there anything else with this that's on your mind that you'd like to add or leave people with?
1: Yeah, I guess to wrap it all with a bow, if someone is watching this and has realized through this conversation that they've been chasing some sort of outcome or result in their life and telling themselves that that's what they want. but realizing maybe that's not actually what they want, or maybe that there is other desires that they can feel resonance to, but they have never let themselves explore. I guess, what is the worst case scenario of letting yourself explore them? And I think that I had to come to that many, many times. It's just really questioning and investigating a lot of the fear that I felt around that, because it does feel scary to really tune into what it is that we want and to shift away from the conditioned desires that we think that we want. For me, moving away from thinking that I wanted my body to look a certain way to realizing that what I really wanted was just to be at peace in my life. And that came from having to remove myself from all of the behaviors I was forcing myself to do to make my body look a certain way, because I thought that that's what I wanted or needed. And that was a big identity shift. It, it came with a having to confront a lot of pain and a lot of shame but if i could go back in time and tell myself that that was the worst that i was going to have to experience by really asking myself what i wanted and leaning into it i think it would always feel so worth it because really what i what i was what i was forcing myself into to try to have what i thought that i wanted it, there was no joy in my life during that time really i mean i was i was just a robot in my own life, trying to create results that I thought that I wanted, but really when I was honest with myself, didn't want. And so this whole process doesn't have to be a, you just uh, undo everything and you change your whole life in one day and you just stop, you quit your whole job and everything like that. No, it starts with just recognizing that there might be a disconnect between what you've been going for and trying to accomplish in your life and what it is that actually feels authentic. And desirable to you and maybe that first step is just creating the space to ask yourself that question in different ways whether it's what is it that i really do want or what is it about my current life that i don't like what is it about what i've been trying to achieve that i'm that doesn't actually feel desirable to me when i'm honest with myself there's a lot of different ways that you can ask yourself the question to start to uncover what it is that actually feels true and authentic to you. I love that.
0: And something that I would like to add for me is if what we ultimately want anyway is a feeling, I always come back to this. It's a feeling. And the reason why you continue to do the same things that you've always done is because you believe they're gonna allow you to access a feeling. And if you're recognizing that you're having trouble accessing that feeling, doing what you're currently doing, then doing something different might get you there in the way that what you're doing now isn't. And so the first question you could ask yourself is, how do I wanna feel? Rather than what do I want in tangible terms, how do I wanna feel? and start there and just see where that takes you um mm-hmm. and you might be surprised that maybe it's has nothing to you know there's nothing to change other than the way you're experiencing the thing that you're doing and yes. sometimes that's all that it takes is you know you don't have to make any changes at all it's just well if i want to be more peaceful in the work i'm doing how can i create that internally for myself how can i show up differently how can how how can i rearrange my day or the tasks that i'm doing what can i give myself permission to do differently than i'm doing now in order to allow myself to access that and so yeah there's no right or wrong with this but I do think it's a process, like you said, like it's gonna continue evolving and what you want is also gonna continue to evolve as you do. And that is also something that I greatly feared when I was 18, I thought I just need to figure out the thing and then I can just do it forever (laughs) and not have to worry about dealing with this again, the uncertainty of what do I want? What do I want? What do I want? Like, ah, just asking myself that question was so uncomfortable. And once I realized, oh, what I want is going to continue to evolve and change as I do and I gave myself permission to find the freedom in that, that was so freeing for me, knowing that I'm going to choose this now, but I don't have to keep choosing it for the next 50 years. I can choose something different two years from now if I want to. And I can trust myself that I will be able to figure it out and make it work when I need to.
1: Mm -hmm. mic drop (laughs) I
0: loved this
1: I loved it too
0: (laughs) yeah thank you so much for taking me up on this topic today because we were going to do something different so we're going to do that next time unless we both
1: have another inspired idea that we like better which is
0: also totally possible (laughs) it's totally possible um, because that's what I'm trying to do now is follow my follow my inspired ideas rather than just stick to the, the to-do list that I was doing before.
1: I try to do that too. It does work way better.
0: It feels so much better. And sometimes like the outcome is so much better anyway. Like I just find that anytime I, yeah, what is that? Every time I have an inspired idea, I take action on it and it just goes really well. Yeah. Weird how that works. (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's a nudge from the universe that there's some energetic component involved there that when you are in alignment, when there's coherence between what you want and what you do and how you feel,
1: mm-hmm.
0: energetically there's coherence inside of your reality and that manifests in a way that you're pulling that coherence towards you in in the physical Yes, that's been
1: my experience many times.
0: Cool. Thank you all so much for for watching and listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>